This is part two of Lesson Jack on writing protagonists and antagonists. Another thing is there's one protagonist and one antagonist per book. Not co-protagonists, not co-antagonists. They can have all. They can have a million helpers. They can run into a million villains, and a million good guys or bad guys. It doesn't matter. There's one. It's mano a mano always. Has to be, in good books. Bad books, no. Bad books. There's no rules. I've had people argue with me about them always. No, it's it's co-pro. No, it's not. And there's big, huge clues that tell you it's not. Louise is the elder mentor type. Uh -huh. uh, what do you call it? Arch, arch type, arch type. Um, but if they were co, the big sex scene with Thelma and, and uh, JT, uh -huh. and then Thelma or Louise with her boyfriend, they don't show Louise's scene, do they? No. No, because she's not a co-protagonist. Right. It's not about her. Mm -hmm. She's a. She plays a huge role, and she's but she's a mentor type. She plays the older mentor type, even though they're the same age in the uh -huh. movie. But she's more, more worldwide. Yeah. yeah. It's easier with the protagonist because the, the, in the third person close structure, because everything is from their perspective, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, as far as the antagonist, you're not doing his perspective, you're just doing. Like Corky's perspective of say it's cue ball, yeah. When he reappears, mm -hmm. eating on a podcast. another factor that only the protagonist has is a character arc. There is no character arc to the antagonist, or if there is, it shouldn't be much. Only the protagonist gets a character arc, and only in novels, it doesn't matter in short stories. It's a different form. But with character arc, that's like, it seems to me, this is kind of a, always been a thing. You're not, like when I'm writing, I'm not thinking of what's his, where is he in his character arc. Why? I'm thinking about what's what's happening to him, what's going to happen to him next, and who, where is he going to be next. But you're creating what's going to happen to him next. You're right. making that up. Right. Dumb and Louise is such a great structure model. Because every single action she takes leads to an action she could not have taken before that action. Right. Every single one. So if you follow that... So if you're aware of that, you will create things that happen that lead to the next action she can take it, that she couldn't take it's before. It's like you're, you're building the character yeah. arc through thinking, Actions. thinking of that. Yeah. Right. You better. You should be aware of that. Otherwise, you're going to be doing a hell of a lot of rewriting, and throwing out scenes, and why not figure all that out beforehand? Right. Look, just let me run you through just quick the beginning of that. The first when you're packing, okay? How does she, how does Thelma grab that gun? With her, she's terrified of it, isn't she? She like grabs it by the thumb and forefinger and throws it. Yeah. How does she pack? She just dumps drawers in. Right. How does uh, or Louise pack? Very carefully, tidy. Right. That's her character. Her character is not going to change much. Thelma's is. What's her hairstyles like? That's an action. Right. Thelma's all messed up. Yeah. And and Louise is all tied up and neat and tidy. Right. That changes halfway through. Right. They they each swap places after that sex scene. But objects are ways to create uh, character art like the gun uh -huh. like smoking uh -huh. when they first start on trip Thelma's not a smoker she pantomimes just like a kid does right she all her actions are kid actions Thelma smoke or uh, Louise smokes she eats candy bars kid versus adult those are all actions to create character art well it's like in and objects in that fight that he gets into with Henry, that's like an accident. So later on, he might instigate through him defending himself 
which would be a different thing. Yeah, but not too soon. Way back when. Let me run through this again. In the beginning, Thelma's pack, she shows a certain stage of her character she's in by uh -huh. how she packs, how she picks up the gun, how she pantomimes smoking, how she wheedles, how she puts her legs up, and, and Louise tells her to put them down. She's the mother-daughter. So that's a relationship, mother-daughter, kid-adult. Right. Okay, little by little, and then she starts wheedling her, oh, please, 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 would stop in that thing, just like a little kid would. And she, oh, okay. It, the day before, she would not have been able to do that. But the, the action of defying Daryl and leaving gives her the courage to do that. She has to go through that before she's able to talk her into stopping at the roadhouse. Every little thing leads to the next thing. Everything. Every single thing. When they get in the roadhouse, she goes nuts. She starts drinking. You know that... The day before, she would not have been able to do that. Her character wouldn't allow her to do that. She starts flirting with the guy and dancing with the guy and getting drunk. The day before, she defied Daryl and went on trip. She wouldn't have been able to do that. It took that to get to that point where she can do that. Okay, you see, every single little action leads to a bigger action. Right. A bigger change in her character. All the way through. Plan that shit out. Right. Oh, is it better to barrel through or revise... And go back as you go forward. Is it better to what now? Barrel through? No. Or I, that's not, yeah, if that's the way you want to work, fine. To me, you're, you're asking for a lot. Because I I used to do that, and you know, even Mark plays, I got to change this. I go back and I forget what it was I wanted to change. Uh, I it, To me, it's better to fix it right away. Hmm. That's just me. But I think if you go through, we're all lazy. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do work. We don't have to. Uh -huh. So if we write something we don't think is right, or we could write something better the following day, a lot of times we just get lazy. So oh, it's all right. I'll just I'll get it later at the end, and right. we forget. Okay. You know what Hemingway would do every day because he wrote every day. Yeah. The last page he'd throw away. But the next day when he came in to write, he'd rewrite that last page from memory. It wouldn't be the same words, but it would be the same spirit, and it got him right into the flow. Huh. It helps to know how other people work sometimes, especially good good writers. Right. Because we can all steal from them. Well, it, it feels like because I wanted to get those pages... Yeah. You're I had like... Forget I, the deadline. I had like an outline, like an idea that has a I already knew that it has like a lot of holes in it. But Why not fix the holes and write that one little scene and make it right? Then give ten pages or seven or whatever. Because now I mostly right. Now I've gotten feedback on it. Yeah, so I know it makes it easier for. I mean, there are things that you pointed out that I got to fix or get rid of or whatever. Right, but I'll tell you a secret. When I give you feedback, I'm leaving a lot of shit out. So if it had been fixed in the beginning, I would have had more stuff to give you. Right. But I was rushing through it. I know. Like, the, just the idea of the... I mean, I had... Just the it one... It feels good to get some pages in there and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought I had some answers for stuff that I knew you might say. <laughs> but, you know, interesting... I, I was looking for the uh, a podcast or some way to hear stories of, like, Somebody who actually does like a protect or actually did a protection racket of stores, like yeah. in their whatever town, and they ran it and how they ran it and how they went through it, and it's like really difficult. But I came across this this podcast about this mafia guy who, whatever, he was overseeing this crew uh -huh. in the DeMeo crew, and in the in listening to that. They mentioned this guy, Henry Borelli, who was one of these part of the crew. They went and sure. killed a lot of people. He first killed, he killed his first guy when he was like 14, stabbed him to death. Yeah. And so I was like, all right. And this guy, DeMeo, who ran the crew, he was always hiring young guys right. around the neighborhood. Yeah, but these are street kids, aren't they? Yeah. Street wise. And right. Corky's not. Right. So why would he hire this kid, this, this obvious 
Obviously, it well, parts. here's an, an idea that came to me uh, just now. Yeah. <laughs> what if Allie is with like one of the guys that's already working with him? That like is Tim, the guy down the block. Okay. Right, and Allie and Tim show up, and then Tim. But why? Why even have the uncle in there hiring him to begin with? What does, does that serve? What if it's not the uncle? What if it's Tim? And he. What if? What if it's, it's like nobody? Tom, what if that doesn't happen? What if it's like Tom Sawyer, where he gets him to help him in a criminal enterprise? I think that's a stretch. <laughs> hey, Tim, what are you doing? Yeah. Nothing. Oh, come on, tell me. Whatever. Some variation I, on that. You're trying to drag a kid from one distinct atmosphere, environment, into another that is totally alien to what everything he's experienced and everything. And why would the guy dragging him in, if he's got any kind of sense at all, why would he even pick this kid? And why would this kid even do it? I mean, he's scared the same thing when somebody insults him in, in high school or great middle school. All of a sudden now he's a, he's a bona fide criminal. And, okay, so what about that? See, all along the kid's like, he's not even putting two and two together. I mean, it's like he's never seen a TV show or read a book. Right. He, he, he should be able to figure this shit out instantly. Just even if he's the most sheltered kid in the world, if he's watching a little TV, he knows what's going on. I think I mentioned something like that in the, yeah, the notes. So but, you, you're throwing him into an element that's not natural at all, and that's okay, but I, I don't think it's justified here. Right. But what about the the kind of idea I have, kind of like a when he, I mean, it's already been kind of set up where he goes later that night with the group on their crime spree, stealing from businesses. Yeah. But what stuff. what purpose does doing crimes and shit like that serve the story? How does it serve the story? That's yeah. what those guys do. That's why I, they disappear. They're not real. They're people you made up. Right. There are no real people in this. The people that you made up, you can make do whatever you want. Right. You can use whatever characters you want. Okay? So you're acting like these people are in control of the story. They're not. You are. So why are they there? What, what purpose do they serve the story? They're part of the environment that Corky's, not. Corky's gone into. Do you think everybody in that park is pulling jobs and shit? Not in the park, in the pipeline. In whatever pipeline. Whatever. No, it's just a hangout place, but yeah. some of the guys go break into places. I, un I understand, but why those guys and not some other guys and some other things? Some what, other guys could. What does, that serve, what does that serve the story? It may, i just asking, how does that serve the story? It's part of the story. That didn't say anything. That just didn't say. Anything. I don't know what "serve the story" means. How does it further the the point the the struggle you're setting up for him? Right. How does it serve that? He's getting. He's going to get deeper into shit, into a life that he doesn't really really should get into. So that's kind of changing the story problem into something else. Story problem's got to remain the same all the way through, all the way through. If he's experiencing things, it should be other put downs and shit. Yeah, well, he's yeah, trying I know to, he is, but he's trying to he he's trying to prove himself. Okay. In this new, I'm just playing devil's advocate. At, at first, it's just the new environment and new friends. Yeah. It's it's the, not the environment where he was publicly shamed. It's a new environment where these people weren't involved in the public shaming. All right, but remember. Every single thing he does, every single action he takes from now on, has to be devoted to trying to resolve his problem, which is his humiliation. It's not start on a new tr track; it's resolve that prop that particular problem. So, in the new environment, he doesn't. He can build himself up from not being that put upon person it's an opportunity to escape that it's oh. actually the same thing that he's doing he's uh, 
You mean he's not going to be tongue-tied around girls from now on because he did a crime? No, but he still is. That's part of the problem. He thinks that he's not going to be tongue-tied. And I don't remember is. reading anything like that. Like what? His thoughts or anything on that. His th- and we should. It's not a screenplay. His you, got, th- you got to show his his motivations and shit. His thoughts on thinking. like being excited about yeah. finding this place. And yeah. How does that tie into his problem of being humiliated and not knowing how to not be being humiliated? We, there's no evidence that he's tied those two things together in his mind. He's just all of a sudden gone off on another tangent, as far as we know, as far as the reader knows. Hmm. We have to be able to see why. It's not a screenplay. You can get into their head, and you should. But he can't be aware of his problem, right? Of course he does. He has to be. That's what the inciting incident is. For the first time in his life, it makes him aware of the problem to the point where he can't let it go until he resolves it. But he, but there is this rule or this thing about he can't know fully until the end. Fully, but he has to learn piece by piece all along the way. Everything he does has to be devoted to resolving his problem. That's all it can't. That's the only reason for it to exist on the page. That's got to be the driving force on every page. But if he thinks, oh, the pipeline, nobody's going to make fun of me here. Okay. But I don't remember reading that. No, it's not there. Cause Why? He's just reacting to the things that are happening. You're writing a screenplay. You, you're, you're still writing screenplays. you got to write a novel. We've got to know what he's thinking. His motivations, why he's doing this. Does that make sense? For, like, for instance, the girls show up at the pool and they, and they make fun of him again. Yeah, good. And he's he can't believe it. Why? It's been his whole life. Why can't he believe it? It's just a day later. It's his whole Why can't, why can't he not believe it? It's his normal life. You see what I'm saying? Mm. We've got... A novel. But okay, so there's like 300 pages to go, right. and he's not gonna. The rule is that he can't fully resolve his problem or fully. Can't resolve, a, but he can realize what his problem is. He has to. That's what the inciting. I incident thought it was he. He can't be. He can't be known to him that the inciting incident pro, story slash story problem is until no. That's the that's the the surface problem is what that creates. The story problem is what comes at the last scene. Thelma Louise, her surface problem is she's in a bad relationship. She wants to change. As time goes on, little by little, she learns that her story problem, her sur- that's her surface problem. That's a material thing. She can get a divorce and get out of that. Okay, but as she goes on, little by little, she learns that all men are like her husband most of them are and she's a woman existing in a male society that's the real problem that she's been leading to through all her experiences to resolve the surface problem and she doesn't realize that until she the last can't scene. realize it until the last thing because once she realizes that she has to do something to to affect it and that's the end of the story she's resolved it one way or the other which she does so wait so you're talking about the sur- quirky surface problem yes that's all he's got right now. And what's his surface? What's the difference between a surface problem and a story problem? There isn't any, but there is. A, a there story, isn't any, but there is. There is yeah, of course there is. A, a surface problem is symptomatic of the real underlying, deeper problem. But they're related. They're joined at the hip. Louise or Thelma's problem. So wait, wait, just let me. Okay. Look, this so the surface problem is his embarrassment, his public shaming that he knows about. Yeah, he's aware of. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. But okay, look at the definition of the inciting incident. Hopefully, this will help. The inciting incident is when something happens to the protagonist, it creates and or reveals. That's so important. He's just like Thelma. She's had a problem for a long time. He's had a problem for a long time. But he's always before been able to forget it, put it on hold, ignore but it. But this for a time, while. because this it's... time he can never 
It's so it. big, and it fucks it him up so daunts. bad. It's the straw that broke the camel's back, just like it was in the, for Thelma. From that point forward, if it's a bona fide story problem, he has to devote all his energy. He wants to do something about it. Now. Absolutely, he has but to. But he doesn't have the tools. Not yet. He's going to get them little by little. Right. right? He's not going to go out the next day and fight a guy. Right. Well, he does fight a guy. But that that's night, an accident. But that's a shock to him yeah. because he doesn't. And it's an accident. It's not something he did on purpose to resolve a problem. Well, when Henry, you know, he Henry perceives that he insults him, and then he gets in, Henry jumps him. Before at the park, in the pipeline. Okay. And he's choking out Henry. Yeah. He gets it because he fights with his brothers all the time. But Who something Corky is. Corky, Corky snaps. He's choking out Henry. Henry. He, he gets Henry Who, to the ground. Who's and he? Corky's choking oh. Henry in the pipeline. See, that's almost too soon. But no, but he there's the internal dialogue of how he's he snaps and he doesn't even understand. He doesn't even know how to handle it. All right, I, I understand that, but that's a really big step. Right. Too early in the story. He, but he doesn't know how to handle it. That's like... I, I would change that slightly. In what I way? would I, Instead of him choking him out and defending himself, I would have him run, probably, and the guy catching him would be beating him up, and then he his hand closes on a rock, and he throws it or hits him. It's spur of the moment. Not planned or anything like that accidentally and then they think they've killed him you see if he does no, no, this no, on the, the, he, the killing thing is later all right well anyway i wouldn't have him any with any wins well if the, i can i can i can adjust that. i want you i want it to make sense to you why you should well, yeah it makes sense okay it's the same thing with the, the with the anger thing with cue ball i didn't have to change what happens i just had to change how he reacts to what yeah. happens yeah, where it's subtle, where he sits back down and he doesn't. It was it was a lot of the internal stuff that he's thinking that I shifted around. I didn't yeah. really change. It's much. even with the Renicops, he's breaking too bad. What do you this mean? is a. He, I mean, he's, he's. He doesn't do anything to them. I didn't do anything to him, but his attitude. He doesn't even think much of it. It didn't look like. Does he? He's embarrassed. It's a big embarrassment. Okay, I didn't quite get that. I got it that he almost. Hope people saw him with the cops, and he came away unscathed. And no, everybody's cue ball and his buddy come back out of the store and are okay. laughing at All him. All right, I have to reread. And that, he's but, on stage. But anyway, it's like he's back on stage being molested. Let's go back to the Not inciting really incident because I think you missed that initially. Okay. okay. It's look at the definition. The definitions every word, every single word is important. It's something that happens to the protagonist. That creates, in this case, it doesn't create it. He's had the problem. And or reveals. It has to reveal it no matter what. If it created then or is created long before, it has to be revealed to him that he's got a problem. That he can't waste another minute of his life until he resolves it. Got to. He's got to be fully aware of this. And he's got it. His first thing is the reaction. He runs and he hides and he buries his head, doesn't answer him. That's a reaction. Right. After that, Every action he takes has to be a pro-action on his own behalf to resolve the problem. Every action has to be that. Okay, here's a, here's a, a, an idea, a flash. It's not and an we idea. have to see everything affected. So the way it is now, it, it from Corky's perspective, in the classroom, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything. And then it... And then you mean this is after... In the opening scene... Right, right, and that's good. He doesn't do anything. Good. And he's he knows, but he's it's obvious he's run into this before in his life. Right, it's probably a way of life with him. He's embarrassed. He 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 goes to the book and he reads. Then at that night, it's like public. Yeah, and he could have he could have done something about it when they were making the list. Yeah, he could have said something. Right. Instead of saying something, he starts. But he, I take it because of the way you wrote it, that this is his life. This is the way his life has always been. Right. Okay, that's good. But it's never risen to the level of a story problem. Always before, it's. Just, I assume, he could forget it, ignore it. Yeah, it's never been so public big. Right. That's what I mean. It's revealed to him he really has a fucking serious problem. He can't live another minute until he starts to fix it. 
that's got to be his mindset all the way through. All the so way through. So just to define his what it, his problem is that he sees it's that it's not that he was publicly he was publicly saying see it's all a perfect storm because now he's at the age where he's noticing girls right okay that right. probably wasn't a factor so much before probably kind of was but it wasn't a big one right. now it is right that can change things big time and I think it does but he has got to be acutely aware of it well it's and every single thing, every thought he has, everything he does has to be geared toward that, whether we see his thoughts or not. Everything has to be an action predicated on resolving his problem. He, and they never can until the end. When he really is revealed to him what his real problem is, and at that moment of insight, then he has to do something about it, and that's the end of the story. I, I just want to put my finger sure. on... on so it's kind of like he's he's been an outcast and he he's just been he's always settled for that exactly so like when they go to itkin's ice cream parlor and he's like he goes back into itkin's ice cream parlor and he's standing and he's made fun of again as an outcast that should again. hammer home to him even more right he's it like, should make him more resolved to fix this And not wandering with another guy down in this pipeline, and things happen. You have things happening to him. Mm -hmm. He's not. He's. It's not because of his proactions to resolve his problem. There are things that he's just there, and they happen to him. That can't be in his story. Well, he's escaping. Show some evidence of that. Let us see a thought, whatever, or an action that he takes that shows clearly. He's escaping that. So, for instance, a thought where he's like, when he leaves the ice cream parlor, he sees Tim, and he's he's like, they're welcoming him, and the thought of him saying, "Oh, this is like so nice." This is just off the top of my head. Yeah, let, let him think that it's so nice to be welcomed. Like yeah, this. so it looks like he's gained something. Right, it's got a backfire on him. It, right. it has to. Put him farther behind, which right. it does. Right. But that's the mindset you've got to give him and maintain all the way through. All the way through. I never realized you didn't realize that he has to be aware of this right from the get-go. It's the yeah, straw no. that broke the camel's back. Louise has been eight years with this guy, and he hasn't changed a bit, neither has she. She's taken his abuse for eight freaking years. But she always before... She could walk away, she could ignore, she could probably laugh about it, talk to her friends about it, and then it's forgotten. She goes shopping or whatever. Once she realizes the depth of her problem, the extent of her problem, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. That's the one step further he took with her that, cre that created a bona fide problem in her mind that she can't let go of until she fixes it. And he's got to be the same way. Every single thing he does has to be... Because it has to be his decision to do it, and it has to be in service of fixing the problem. Everything. And it ha it can look like it did at the, at the time, but very shortly afterwards, it's got it's got to lead to something worse. Another thing is, it's like they're like me; they're outcasts too. So yeah. So right. I'm welcome here. So yeah. this is a place where I can whatever thrive or whatever. But people usually act like the people they admire and the people they admire are the people that shit all over so that's that's got to be their mindset too wait what was that i said people that get shit on when they establish their own communities and everything mm -hmm. they usually do it to shit on other people because that's the only thing that, that's the only behavior they they know that they see works people shitting on them so they're going to find people to shit on and that's the way the human mind works. That's the way the human animal works. Huh. So when he thinks he's found a group, he's probably found a more vicious group. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got to get it in your mind, man, that he's got to be so aware of this thing, this albatross that's on his back, that, that albatross can never leave, except very briefly when he thinks he's got a victory that has to turn into a defeat.
Thelma, Thelma wins. She wheedles her into stopping in the thing. She drinks and she gets drunk and the guy ends up trying to rape her. It looked like she had a victory, but turned into a disaster. See what I mean? It's because of her her proactions on her own behalf to resolve her problem. So just in, in just thinking about that, uh... once you grasp this, and it's a whole different outlook. You're not we're not looking at surface shit that's, that we can see. We, we're limited to one sense. Right. Reading. Right. So you gotta you gotta you you gotta fill in the rest. You don't have that screen to help you out that. 20-foot screen or whatever it is to help you out. I have to re-look at that initial pipeline yeah. See, there's a, episode. Yeah. Because at the pool... If you it, have to start it, all over, that's fine, man. Because that just makes you closer to a good product. Well, the, yeah, I mean, I think auditorium works well because I added in the opening scene and... and the auditorium scene is that character of Gail Amoroso, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like, she doesn't react. He admires her. He loves her, yeah. really, right? Yeah. He doesn't know he loves her because he can't even talk to her because he'll get yeah. his nose punched. Sure. But when he, in the auditorium scene, I added that little piece where she's over there, and when all this shit happens, the list is read, he looks over at her, and there's a connection there, and then he meets her in the auditorium. Just that added. So he thinks there's there's a victory there because there's this connection, but no, there isn't. A he's, it's 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 a layer of more embarrassment. Oh, okay, good. But the he can't talk can to her. See, I don't get any sense of him even thinking about his problem once he goes in the pipeline, does all this shit. It's like he right. forgot his. He can't. Because I was going on on the idea that it's not revealed to him till till oh, no, the end. No, no, no. The story worthy problem is not revealed. They're one and the same, but they're not. One is a shallower surface thing. The other is a much deeper, uni- more universal thing. Thelma wants to escape a bad marriage. She doesn't realize the marriage is is just one example of her whole universe. Her whole universe is made up of... Okay, so Corky wants to stop being picked on. Yeah. But what's the deeper issue? The deeper... Well, that's... You're the writer. I want to be somebody. Yeah. I want to be somebody. That doesn't affect. People aren't going to do that to me. I've got to turn myself into somebody else. And so he tries things, but they, they can look like they're working at first, but they have to turn to shit quickly. And make him even in an even worse place. That's the thing. I, I mean, I love that speech. You know, I'm ta- the on the waterfront, back of the car speech. Like, I kind of, yeah, I remember it was very emotional. People right. say it's. Um, people think on the surface wise, it's about you know his brother betrayed him mm-hmm. because he you know made him take a dive. Yeah. And but the chilling part about it that really hits you is that now see that sounds like he's discovering his story worthy problem right. And which is, is that the last scene? It's close to the end. Yeah, it's where he and he's saying I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender. Yeah, I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Yeah, and that's what hits everybody. Yeah, because see, everybody knows that feeling. See, he before that, what was his goal to win a championship or whatever? But he gave up on his goal, or whatever. Was, yeah, had a beat out of him. He never realized his real goal was, if he'd have stuck with it, if he'd have been done a little more, or whatever, he could have been somebody. He could have won. Now he's just an errand boy for <laughs> yeah. the boss. Yeah. See, that's a great example of a story worthy problem. He didn't realize that until the end. You have to go through the struggle. That could be. That's you like have Corky's to go through thing. the three hundred and fifty pages of Corky struggling to resolve this, keep failing. Keep looking like he wins and fails, and then at the end something happens, and it has to be something happening. It can't be a result of him talking to somebody. It's like or the same thing. Yeah. It's not about being embarrassed or being a big man on campus. Yeah. It's about being a good person, being a. Um, yeah, but he can't know that until the end. And that ties into the cue ball, the cue ball idea of sticking up. Now the you're cue ball. now you're becoming a freaking writer, man. You are. 
it's, it's 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 so inspiring to me to see this. I love Because you this. get it. I wish you could take back all your screenwriting days. <laughs> what do you mean? Because I wish you'd start out writing novels. Because you'd be knee deep in them now. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? You're right. No, I bet, like, I can go, I can, that's like a seven screenplays that I can go back and Type use. out a little sentence that says, he, he, everything he does on this page is going to be tied to a surface problem. And put that up every day you start a new page, a new scene or whatever. Everything has to be predicated from his problem and his knowledge of his problem. Uh... I just want to write down the story problem in that scene is that he surface could, problem in yeah. the Marlon Brando thing oh. in Rod Stark in on the waterfront. Yeah. His surface problem is that he's just an errand boy and he yeah. wants to be more than an errand boy. But he's he's described all the wrong qualities to what that means until the end he learns what it means. Right through all the struggle he went through. He has to learn piece by piece, bit by bit, right? And he does that in the movie, I'm sure. Yeah, and then it actually the la the last thing that he does is he 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 stick he stands up for himself, and he walks away, and he's like, "It's emotional, isn't it?" Yeah. You know why? You just sat through two hours of him getting his brains beat out, and finally he got a victory, a major victory, a really good victory. Oh, that's, that's why you got to beat Corky down, beat him up, beat him down, beat him down, beat him down, beat him down. Give him a glimpse of the victory and then take it away. Right. Over and over and over. Right. The more you do that, the more the reader's going to want to keep reading. Right. You can't let him catch a break anytime except briefly. And there has to be a character arc. But uh, that comes with it. I mean, well, I, if you write it, if you do it that with that structure in mind. Right keeps trying things that look like are going to work and do briefly and then fail making me in an even worse position right um, it's, that's the difference between a movie and a, and a TV show series in, there's no character arc in a TV series Cheers at the beginning of each episode Sam's a womanizer he goes through and he learns a small lesson not to be a womanizer and he vows to reform the next episode opens up he's a womanizer again uh -huh. See, there's no arc there. Right. He doesn't really learn anything. Right. But in a movie, they have to learn something. Right. They have to resolve something. In TV series, they don't. That's like a short story. It doesn't have to resolve anything. There's no character arc. It doesn't have to be. It shouldn't be. Right. It's, they learn a small lesson. That's it. Right. Uh, Is this helping? Yeah. Good. I'm excited to see you excited. See lights going and shit, man. That's well. That's, I had something wrong all along with the yeah, fucking story I mean. problem. There's, there's. That's what I mean. When it's like earlier, you said something about I want to get that stuff down and everything. I said, right. yeah, but if you take your time, you might figure this out and have shorter submission. But it's right, and because when you have a longer one, there's a lot wrong. I'm not gonna go through everything because there's too right. much, right? And I have to leave stuff out, right? So just get it right. I don't care if you write a sentence as long as it's a great sentence. Yeah. That's all that's important. You're going to kick butt on this because you care, and it's obvious you care. Well, I'm, you anxious, I'm anxious to get it done. I know, but you got to have patience. Patience, Grasshopper. That's right, Grasshopper. <laughs> or cricket. More like a cricket. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was listening to this thing about this guy, Dominic Montagnoli, I think his name is. It's uh -huh. like this, a lot of inter interviews with him, and he it's a crazy story, and it's like, there's two, it's an interesting story because it's, he's not a good guy, or, it's hard to pin down whether he's really a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, That's cares? what's great about it. Yeah, who cares? It leaves the question open. It's not morality if it's good. It's not a morality play. And that's like real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is real life. Well, a novel can't be like real life. It has to be better than real life. 
What do you mean? A novel has to be much better than real life. In real life, Thelma lets them catch him, put him in jail for a few years, they get out and get married, live happily ever after. That's real life. The novel's better. They drive off and continue the vacation. The happiest time of her life, they continue it. At least to her death, but it's not a big deal. It just isn't. So it has to be better than real life. Real life sucks. Real life is not logical. A novel has to be logical. A good novel. I should always say a good novel. Logical in what way? It just has to be logical. It can't be just magic happens. And fairy dust is sprinkled over and the problems are resolved or whatever. Deus Ex Charming shows up. Or, Deus Ex Machina. Huh? Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. I always thought that was Machina. Yeah, it's the choir or the... Uh, God in the Machina. Yeah. Um, Meaning it's... I was going to say something really smart, but I forget. <laughs> Must not have been that smart. Um... There's something about that uh, real life and Thelma and Louise and... It's like dialogue. It can't be real dialogue. It has to mirror real dialogue. You don't you don't transcribe speech and listen on a park bench and then go write that as dialogue. Right. You mirror, you make it look like real dialogue. Right. But it's got to have subtext and it's got to have a bunch of other shit. Right. For it to be real. Or to appear real right hmm. so was this a breakthrough kind of yeah because I was great 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 and now listener if you sign up for my class you too can get multiple breakthroughs they're better than climaxes trust me <laughs> that's the microphone huh that's the microphone oh well I'm talking to the TV or whatever Sorry, I don't know my ass from all on the ground anyway. So, um, let me see what else did I write down. It's funny because in Thelma and Louise, Harvey Keitel, like freedom, is like kind of like the big world problem, and it's kind of personified in Harvey Keitel. Yeah, he's every man. So, like, the antagonist could, is just, like, a representation. Yeah, could be. I guess. Of what? Of the big world story yeah. problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I'm not saying that the... That and that, that was a political statement, that whole movie. It it's always amazes me that so-called libs, women's libs, uh, don't like the movie. I thought, Jesus Christ... Are you insane? Well, surface-wise, if you look at it at a surface level, it's they well, kill Well, then themselves. you're stupid if you're looking at it. I, I'm serious. They're stupid if that's all they're looking at. That's all they see. They're not bright people. Well, they kill themselves in the end. They give up. They They didn't kill themselves. They continued the vacation. Callie Corey even said in an interview, she said, I never considered him, before people brought it up, I never considered they committed suicide. They drive in off my a cliff. Mind, I know. But <laughs> she said, in my mind, they just continued the vacation. I never okay. thought of suicide. She's very honest. And I think she's saying exactly what she was thinking. But there could have been a di different way of ending. Yeah, Hollywood bullshit anywhere. <laughs> they catch him, they send him to jail for three to seven. No, what if they, like, got to Mexico and they were on their... That'd be even worse. Sipping coladas by the seashore. Yeah, that's Hollywood for you. That's what their audience of seven-year-olds would have suggested. Their test audience would have suggested, and they probably would have done that. This before they got too smart for their own good. No, that was a perfect ending. Killing themselves? Yes, and that's legitimate. <laughs> you ever read the novel Beloved by Toni Morrison? No. In the end, she kills her child. It's very legit to save the child from slavery. It's huh. very legitimate ending if uh -huh. it's done for the right reasons. Uh -huh. Yeah, nothing wrong with it at all. Hmm. So you rethinking shit? Yeah, no, I gotta redo everything. That's I mean, fine. Not, not, That's fine. Not redo everything, yeah. but I gotta add in a little bit here and there to kind of. Just don't put a tire patch on if you need a new tire. Yeah, no, I think the last bit, that's a whole tire. 
Is it? Yeah. That criminal bit that, yeah. Just an idea. Does not work, I don't think, at all on any level. That was lazy writing. Yeah, that's typing. You're Jack, what's his name? Or, uh, what's it? The guy wrote the hit, hit, uh, Kerouac. Jack Kerouac. That's what, that's what, uh, what you call it. So he said, that's not writing, it's typing. He said, he said that about, uh, what's his name that wrote, uh, Oh, they wrote uh, the first faction book uh, in Cold Blood. Um, Truman Composed? Yeah, he's, that's what he said about Kerouac. He said, that's not writing, that's typing. And he's right, it's bullshit. It's journalism. It's lowest form of writing ever invented. It's gonzo journalism, which is horseshit. You can leave that in. I'll, I'll stand by that statement. Make a lot of enemies that think he's something else. He's something else, all right. Bullshit artist. We'll have to do a podcast on all the on all the writers that suck. <laughs> Most of them. If their bestseller chances are really good, they suck. Do you read what I wrote to uh, Cheryl or somebody today? No. I was talking about uh, people that get published. That everything they write gets published, even their grocery list. Uh-huh. There's Joyce Carol Oates, Stephen King, and uh, somebody else. Oh, Bukowski. Uh-huh. I said they had the cleanest waste put back baskets in town. Nothing ever got thrown away. It all got gets published. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And it does. And even though Joyce Carol Oates is really brilliant, Stephen King, I don't want to talk about him. And who was the last one? Uh, Bukowski. Oh, yeah. About 20% of shit was good. 80% sucks. And I love the guy. The uh, good part. Yeah. I'm anxious about But keeping. it's like Dorothy Parker said about Hemingway. She said he built up this myth about himself, about bulls, balls, and then he blew his brains out. <laughs> she said, good. I think that's because he went off of his lithium. Yeah, you think? Yeah, they had him on lithium and he yeah, went off they? of it. And then he took a shotgun. He changed writing. He yeah. got us out of that purple prose shit and got us into good writing. Really? Yeah, he's a father of minimalism. I just reread, I, I forget why. Uh, oh, because his first, like, uh, I guess, collection of short stories is in the public domain now. Yeah. And I found. Did you read, like, White Elephants? Uh, have you read that story? I don't think so. I was in my 60s before I figured that out, and everybody around me got it. What's it called? Hills Like White Elephants. Okay, it's probably I've heard most, of it. It's probably his most famous short story. It's a man and woman, they're, they're at a train station waiting for a train, they have dialogue and shit. Uh-huh. And it was about an abortion. I never got that. Oh. Never got that. Uh-huh. I always figured, what, what the hell are they talking about? People said, they would never tell me, because they figured I could see it, because I'm... It's supposed to be smart, but I uh-huh. never got that uh-huh. out of it. But read it. Okay. But I reread the beginning of the, the one story that I read by him called The Soldier's Home. Yeah. And it's funny because it tied right into the Fair whole... Arms. The mafia, this whole podcast on this mafia guy, because a lot of it was... Mm-hmm. he This guy would retell... You know, the podcasters like... A, documentary filmmaker who goes to the Arizona desert to interview him like right before he dies in like 2020 no he interviewed she interviews uh, Dominic Montagnola I think his name is some old mafia guy and he's telling these stories and it's like in the soldier's home he talks about how he's come home after it like a couple years later and nobody's interested in talk in talking about the war anymore. But the only thing that they're interested in is like dramatic things. Yeah. And he he finds himself making up stories, except like his when, real stories are even better. What? Yeah, but his real sto- stories are probably even better than than the ones he's making up. Well, he's conflicted because he's lying. Yeah. And then like he hangs out with like the fellow veterans. And they get tired of talking they, to they each call other. Him on it. Yeah. Well, they don't. They don't talk about it. 
They don't. They, it's tire tiresome for them. It's boring. Yeah. And 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 he can't. That's part of like the conflict. He can't really communicate to anybody yeah. about his real experience. Yeah. And it's funny because that's kind of a theme in the, about this mafia guy because they all fucking lie. Yeah. Yeah. And embellish. Yeah. And so you don't really know if what it's he's saying in this interview is just the shit that he's repeated over yeah. and over and yeah. over again. And like, <laughs> it's funny because, it, 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 and tying it back, back to like Goodfellas, that's all to me that, I mean, I grew up with my dad. He grew up in Brooklyn and he knew these guys. Yeah. And he taught, taught me as I grew up, like we'd be down in Brooklyn I would like would go on his job and we'd be down by the waterfront and we I remember him telling me, Yeah, the mafia controls all this area. Yeah. This is like the seventies. Sure. That's what that house that house where Allie lives in the in the book, that's from this block that I would uh -huh. I had a newspaper out and it was it kinda stuck out. Yeah, that was another thing. He gives him set sixty bucks for an hour's work and he could almost make as much as his paper out. His paper route must have paid a fortune if he could make that in one day. Delivery. No, much more than the paper route. Yeah, but he's at, he's if I keep this up, I can make as more than my paper route. And I thought, no shit, <laughs> sixty bucks, yeah, for twenty minutes work, yeah, and paid up front. None of that rings true at all. <laughs> I know you're more streetwise than that. Uh. You gotta show it on the page, dude. <laughs> what? I bet you gotta show it on the page. So what? That you're more hip than that. That's the end of part two. Lesson Jack on writing, protagonists and antagonists. <laughs>